Hello and welcome to this week's Why Football podcast with me, Echizadoku, and Michael Dryden. This week, Dryden will be taking a look at Rangers, their financial troubles and administration in 2012, and will discuss their rise back to the top of SBL in recent seasons. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore for our latest content. Please also follow and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Acast for media access to future episodes. So, Dryden, how are you doing? I'm good. I wish I had more to say, but literally nothing's going on. Mm. So that's it, really. Going back to the northeast soon for my birthday and my parents' birthday, so that's something to look forward to prior to the Christmas break. But I think we can all agree that lockdown in winter is going to be pretty terrible. London's in tier Great. two. Yeah, no, it's pretty depressing to start the podcast. But yeah, <laughs> how are you doing, Chiz? Yeah, I think what's more depressing is um, before we start the pod, Dryden thought for about uh, five to ten minutes about what to actually say he's been up to recently. And unfortunately, it wasn't it's a that lot. minimal. Yeah, it's that minimal. So um, I'm sorry to hear that, Dryden. <laughs> and nothing's going on with your life. Uh, maybe just some reading, go on some walks. Yeah, I'll try keep, that. Keep on trying. You close that fashion sense thing you're looking yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Buy yeah. some new trainers. I think you need Thanks, to. Mate. You need to look into that. Um, I've been off work this week, um, so I actually spent a lot of time on FIFA, which I've mentioned <laughs> a lot on this pod. I went to the museum, British uh, Natural History Museum. Oh, really? How was it? Filled with children that love dinosaurs, which is very annoying. <laughs> right. Uh, Anything else apart from that you'd like to... Re- uh, went to Andy Warhol exhibition at the Tate. That was really good, actually. Um, yeah. That was quite enjoyable. And yeah, that's pretty much my week. So Dryden, why this topic? So Rangers have had an impressive start to this season, many people might know, and now appear to be once again challenging Celtic for the SBL title under the legend that is Steven Gerrard. As a result, I thought I would take us back to the fall of Rangers in 2012 and how they managed to resurge back to the SPL thereafter. So far this season, Rangers are unbeaten at the top of the SPL, winning nine of their opening 11 games as we record this episode. And they defeated arch rivals Celtic 2-0 last Saturday in the first old firm game of the season. They've won all three of their Europa League qualifying games uh, to date. They're now in the group stages. Uh, including a 2-1 win against Galatasaray at Ibrox um, and recently won 2-0 away to Standard Liège in the opening group stage game in the Europa League um, with goals from Tavernier and Kimar Roof. Have you seen Roof's goal? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's... Yeah. I mean, I score goals like that all the time when I play FIFA. Ye- um, and in real life <laughs> um, as well. Okay. But yeah, absolute banger. It's the fact that there's, there's basically a minute to go. Mm. He's got the ball. There's three players around him. He should really just knock it into like, I don't know, into touch, like mm. far down the pitch. Yep. He's tried to then go, he's achieved going around the player, yep. quite an audacious little flick. Mm. And then he's hit it with so much force that he's for, like, his body cannot physically hit that ball anymore because he's, he's like fell to yep. the ground, propelled to the ground. And it just perfectly went over the keeper's head. It was unbelievable stuff. Um, I didn't even realise he was there. He was at Anderlecht last season, having yeah, been was. at Leeds. And I thought he was quite well rated at Leeds, but seemingly since Bielsa's came in. That's not the case. Yeah, no. So yeah, back in Pearly Panthers in 2003, I did something similar. Um, you used to play for the Pearly Panthers, did you? Yeah, it did. Back, uh, very long time ago, yeah. Huge outfit, huge outfit. Very big indeed. So putting the old firm rivalry into context, um, which is definitely something that'll come up in this podcast, talking about the SPL, Rangers have won the SPL on 54 occasions to Celtics 51, which might surprise some given Celtics' recent dominance. Um, the title changed hands frequently in the 2000s, before Rangers won three in a row from 2009 
to 2011. However, as we'll go on to, Rangers entered administration in February 2012 and the succeeding company had to enter the Scottish third division. So they are the same club. And it's 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 it sparks some debate. They are the same club, um, but they have a different managing company because the old one went into liquidation, which we'll go into. Since that time, Celtic have won every single title and Massey nine in a row, including the infamous treble treble success between 2017 and 2019 where they won the domestic treble three years in a row so today i'm going to briefly catalogue the fall and revival of glasgow rangers so dryden how did rangers go from successive league titles to the scottish third division so as i mentioned the title was won fairly evenly by both teams in the 2000s with celtic edging rangers six to four in titles Everyone will probably remember that period in some way, shape or form. Uh, players such as Henrik Larsson, Peter Lubbenkranz, who ended up at Newcastle, Shunzuki Nakamura, the, uh, the guy with a wonderful left foot, I think he played left back, Dado Perso, and the Kitman's favourite man, Jan Venigo of Hesslink. I have no idea how good he is at football. However, I just always remember him because of his incredibly lengthy name. Um, these are a few that I can remember amongst quite a number of foreign imports that seem to play in the SPL at that time. Nakamura has actually still played football uh, oh, in Japan at the age of 42. Wow. Um, so going into the... We'll start our story at the 2007-2008 season. Um, so going into that season, Celtic had just won back-to-back SPL titles under Gordon Strachan and Walter Smith was back at Rangers uh, in charge after a stint with the Scotland national team. He previously managed Rangers in the 90s between 91 and 98. The squad that Smith inherited actually included a lot of young and future Premier League players, such as Charlie Adam, Alan Hutton, Stephen Naismith, Carlos Queller, a son of legend, and, and a 16-year-old John Fleck, who's currently playing in the Premier League with Sheffield United. I, don't, I can't imagine Fleck was playing too many league games for Rangers at that point, but interesting to see his name crop up at that time. Thanks to Smith, uh, Rangers' talented young squad and goals from the likes of Chris Boyd, uh, Naismith and Kenny Miller, Rangers went on to win three titles in a row, including a Scottish Cup and two League Cups. Their final title-winning squad also included the likes of Nikita Jelovic, who went on to um, play for Everton, of course, James Beattie, who was about 33 at this time, and El Hadji Diouf, who also was in his 30s. So quite the mix of experience and backgrounds um, enlisted by Walter Smith over that period. So with such a strong and diverse squad, it may have looked like a period of dominance was about to ensue, um, however, things off the pitch weren't quite so rosy. Throughout the 1990s and 2000s, Rangers regularly posted losses, and by 2009, it was alleged that Rangers owed between 25 million and 30 million to the Lloyds Banking Group. Rangers then entered a dispute known as the Big Tax Case with Her, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, uh, the tax man or woman, as they're quite often referred to, um, regarding Rangers' use of employee benefit trusts they are where an employer deposits money into a trust or the trust which is paid out to the beneficiaries i.e the staff the plain staff in the form of tax-free loans and is used in some contexts i'm not an expert as a form of tax avoidance and um, the rangers chairman from 06 to 11 uh, david murray said it allowed them to sign players that they could not otherwise have afforded so a way of trying to get round tax in order to benefit the plain squad uh, seemingly this is done between 2001 and 2010, um, with a reported tax bill of over 50 million calculated at that time. Yes, yeah, so why do you have to be so extra and 
just say, you know, Her Majesty's Revenue Customs. Just say HMRC. <laughs> <laughs> like, why? Is it, why? I have to think what it actually fully meant as well. Well, thank you for letting everybody know thank that you. you know what it stands for. Um, we did a podcast in FFP like two or so months ago, and cases like Rangers and Leeds are exactly kind of why it came into place, where these clubs kind of rack up all this debt yep. over a period of time. Uh, and spend far beyond their means. And this is the consequence. It's kind of like the poster boy for why those regulations are brought in. Um, and it's quite sad when you see clubs like Rangers just continuously do it. And then obviously fall by the wayside, although they're back now. Yes, they are. So in May 2011, Murray sold Rangers to Craig White for £1. White had allegedly promised to pay off the bank debt, settle a smaller case known as the We Tax case, and invest money in the squad and stadium. White did this by borrowing $26.7 million against future season ticket sales from a firm known as Ticketus. However, and not too long after taking over, Rangers' financial crisis deepened. White failed to remit uh, pays you earn tax and VAT amounts, and in February 2012, the Rangers Football Club PLC, the, the, the former company, entered administration before entering liquidation in October 2012. I often think about um, how many clubs were struggling before COVID, you know, not just with spending out of their means because there are regulations in place to do so, but just generally from maybe relegation or, you know, fans not turning up to games and how this pandemic could lead to many of these clubs falling the same way as Rangers. You know, their financial situation wasn't good prior and now is deepening and I think... In the coming months and years, you know, we could potentially see a lot more clubs kind of suffer a similar sort mm, of fate. Absolutely. So what happened next? How are Rangers still here today? So HMRC made it clear that it, it would vote against a proposed company voluntary agreement for the existing Rangers company, meaning it would be liquidated. Um, the business and assets of Rangers were sold to Sevco Scotland Limited, a company owned by a consortium led by Charles Green. Walter Smith had stepped down after the 2010-11 success with new manager Ali McCoyst and a number of players willing to transfer across the new country uh, company. However, some first-team players, such as captain Stephen Davis, who's now back, Stephen Whitaker, and Naismith, um, refused and became free agents. Uh, Green claimed he had purchased the players' contracts and registrations, so there was some dispute there, um, and ultimately a fee was actually agreed for Stephen Davis uh, with Southampton. A consortium led by Walter Smith attempted to rival Green's bid and eventually offered a report six million to buy the club, but this was turned down. Yeah, it's always difficult when players don't really want to stick with a sinking ship for a tough time. Kind of reminds me of the Juve squads during mm. the Caltropoli scandal. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought about. Because um, obviously the likes of, we had just sold Vieira to Juventus and he left pretty quickly when they got relegated, as did uh, a number of other players as well. And it's a shame that the key players or some of the key players at Rangers decided to follow suit as well. So Rangers tried to get back into the SBL by transferring the assets or Green did to the new company um, but this was rejected 10 to 1 by the SBL members um, with only the old Rangers company voting in favour. On their no vote Celtic stated that the integrity of the game was of paramount importance um, so that's why they, they voted against it interestingly. Yeah the Scottish League uh also voted 25 and 5 in favour of their demotion to the bottom division, which I find really interesting. Mm. Obviously, you they would want that because you don't want a club to rack up loads of debt and then just be allowed back to where they were. Absolutely, yeah. But missing a club like Rangers, I would assume, impacts 
the SBL as a collective in terms of revenue, in terms of competition. Um, so it is quite interesting. It'd be interesting to know the five clubs that d- voted yeah, absolutely. for them to, well, against them being uh, demoted to the bottom division. Yeah, it's an interesting argument. I mean, people have talked, or used to talk, I think, quite a long time ago about what would happen if Rangers and Celtic came into the Premier League, for example. How would they fit? Or the football league system. And then that also sparked a debate of well, what would Scottish football look like without those two clubs. Mm. And I wonder if the other clubs actually would welcome that because it gives them a chance of actually, you know, vying for the title, getting into Europe, or would have taken out that sheer number of them two brands or that sheer number of fans from mm. that league actually have a real bad impact on the, on the uh, domestic game in Scotland. So yeah, as you stated, the, the Scottish Football League voted to let the club join as an associate member and place Rangers in the third division. The new company, Sevco Scotland, agreed to accept all conditions relating to the charges against Rangers FC of bringing the game into disrepute, um, including a 12-month transfer embargo, the payment of all outstanding fines and football debts, and agreement on broadcasting rights. So how have Rangers bounced back? A lot of Rangers' younger players stuck with the club when they moved down to the third division, um, as did some first-team players, such as Lee McCulloch, Lee Wallace and Maurice Edu. A number of free transfers were also brought in to supplement the squad, such as experienced uh, experienced Kevin Carley, played for Sunderland, and Emilson Krabari, um, experienced Brazilian player. Rangers continued to play at Ibrox and recorded a crowd of 50,000 at the end of the season against Berwick Rangers. Ali McCoy stayed on as manager and Rangers won the third division title in their first season. They went on to win the Scottish League One in the following season, again under McCoyst. Yeah, the thing about Ali McCoyst uh, and his time at Rangers, I kind of feel like he's been severely missed on a, a question of sport. Great TV show. Really good TV show. Um, Ali McCoyst is pretty funny on there. Um, I don't know what he's up to now. He's always on Talk Sport. So after their successive promotions, Rangers found themselves in the Scottish Championship, which proved to be a sterner test with Rangers finishing third and McCoy's leaving in December of that season. He resigned um, with the poor financial situation um, remaining at Rangers and staff were cut and forced to leave. Um, so he departed as well. He was replaced by Kenny McDowell on an interim basis, who was then replaced by Stuart McCall following poor results. At this time, the spectre that is Mike Ashley appeared as Rangers' financial situation worsened. He originally saw an 8.92% share in Rangers and then had his request to raise that figure to 29.9% rejected due to his interest in Newcastle United. There was a number of funding agreements with Sports Direct and Ashley in place over this period. Um, In January 2015, Rangers fans protested against Mike Ashley's plan to secure a 10 million loan using the club club stadium as security, citing scepticism scepticism over Ashley's intentions at the club. In the same month, on deadline day, Newcastle loaned five players to Rangers, including Harris Vukic and Kevin Mbabu, who I didn't realise was um, was their ultimate team extraordinaire. He is indeed. A question on Mike Ashley for you, Dryden. What are your thoughts on him generally? Brilliant person, brilliant uh, entrepreneur, um, great football club owner. Um, has done brilliant things for Newcastle United. No, on a, on a serious note, I mean I'm a Sunderland fan, but you know I, I want to see, I don't want to see Newcastle United excelling above Sunderland, but I do want to see them doing okay. And you know, if we ever do get back to the Championship or to the Premier League, I'd like to be able to play against Newcastle in competitive games. So yeah, so since then, actually, Rangers Association with Sports Director Mike Ashley is actually over. Uh, Mike, I think, sold his shares to Club 1872 in 2017. I believe are a group of Rangers supporters. 
the sports direct shop at Hybrox, uh, which I which I read quite recently, their contract uh, ran out in the summer, so it'll also be replaced. So thankfully for all of the Rangers fans out there, there is no more links or ties to Big Mike Ashley. So on the pitch, Rangers finally won promotion back to the SPL under McCall in the 2015-16 season and finished runners-up in the Scottish Cup um, after beating Celtic on penalties in the semi-final and um, the first all-firm derby for a while. Mark War- Warburton replaced McCall for Rangers' first season back in the top flight in 2016-17 season. They also brought in the likes of Joey Barton, Jordan Roster from Liverpool and a man who needed no introduction, Nico Crenshaw. Question on Nico Crenshaw, Dryden. Is he mercurial? Yes. Thank you. Cheers. A string of poor results eventually saw Warburton replaced by Pedro Cassigna. I think I pronounced that correctly. And the Rangers would go on to finish third in their first season back in the SPL. Uh, he lasted until October during the 2017-18 season, replaced by Jimmy Nicol as Rangers finished again in third. The 2018-19 season eventually saw the appointment of legend Steven Gerrard, who has finished second in his first two seasons, reaching the round of 16 in last season's Europa League and coming runner-up in the Scottish League Cup. So far, Gerrard has brought players such as Scott Arfield, Stephen Davis and Ryan Kent in from English clubs, um, with the likes of Alfredo Morales, James Tavenier and Jermaine Defoe being some of the standout performers in this brief period um, under Gerrard. Rangers have continued to post losses, though, in recent years, a matter not helped by the coronavirus pandemic. As you mentioned earlier, Mike Ashley sold his entire Rangers shareholding to Club 1872 and Julian Waldhart in June 2017 after years of legal disputes. Um, Dave King is the single largest shareholder with 25.58% his affiliation with Rangers going back a number of years. Um, so hopefully Rangers can put their off-the-field politics and financial issues which have plagued them for, well, 10 years longer. Um behind them and focus on the rise of Rangers on the pitch under CVG. Yeah, I think Rangers' return is really positive for the SPL. You know, the lack of old firm derbies and general competition in the league, um, you know, won't make it as enjoyable to watch. Uh, the last combined TV deal that they signed in 2018, which is when Rangers were back in the SPL, mm. was saw a 20% increase in revenue, which is fantastic. But part of me thinks there's a wider question at hand here, which is whether the anti-competitive nature of a two-team league is actually healthy for the SPL. Yeah. You know, I guess you could argue that Rangers' return means it's going to be anti-competitive, but then was it competitive in their absence? It just meant that Celtic started doing treble trebles, yeah. uh, which isn't very you know fun or interesting to really watch. Um, so I guess it's one of those things where it's going to return to what it was beforehand, but was it any better? Yes, it's better than what it's been recently, but overall it's still a big no. And then kind of as well, thinking what you said about... Um, focusing of the rise of range in the stvg and can they get back to where they were what's the ceiling mm. like range and celtic right the, a good season for them is to win the treble ideally or the double or whatever and then have a big run in europe but is that it as in what else can they really yeah and the fact that they neighbor with england and mm. the premier league being you know largely renowned as the, the largest league in the world if they become very good, it's almost like their success actually costs them more because if you become very successful in one particular season, mm. you'll get your players picked off. I mean, so yeah, like James Savinia has been linked with Premier League on countless occasions. Obviously, we had Moose Dembele went across to Lyon 
um, and it's been playing Champions League football. Mm. Um, and I, I think we, you know, I wonder if we're going to see the same thing with Alfredo Morales. Perhaps if we didn't get sent off every three games, that might have, might have happened by now. But um, there is a ceiling because you know, they will lose their players to you know other European leagues that are bigger and you know richer. Yeah, well, Morelos was heavily linked with Lille in the summer, but they ended up signing Jonathan David. Yeah, and, and not just uh, Jonathan David as well, but uh, the best left-back in British football, uh, arguably world football, came from Celtic um, to Arsenal. Uh, Kieran, <laughs> right, OK. Yeah, Kieran I wonder Tierney, where you're going with that one. Kieran Tierney um, as well, uh, who is uh, one of the best left-backs. Uh, of we, all time. We, yeah, of all time. I didn't want to say it, but of, <laughs> of all time. But yeah, you, you are right. It, there is kind of this ceiling, which the better they get, you know, the, they can't really keep hold of their best players. So what Celtic are European champions, Rangers aren't, but how far can they really go? They can't get back to those heights ever again because, as you said, their teams get picked off. So it's kind of like, oh, it's back to what it was before, but can it get any better? We've seen a lot of talk recently about European Super League, which doesn't, you know, that discussion doesn't often include the likes of Rangers and Celtic because they're not perceived in terms of on the, on the, on the playing side anyway as being elite. Um, but the reason why the likes of United and Liverpool want to break out the Premier League is because they've outgrown it. Mm. And obviously Rangers and Celtic have arguably outgrown that league a long time ago. Mm. And so they probably wouldn't be in a discussion for a, a European Super League unless there was a, a tiered system of that. Mm. Um, but I imagine they probably would benefit, would favour something similar. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. And it's a good point, actually. In, in a European Super League world, I wouldn't be surprised if Rangers and Celtic joined the Premier League but they're all massive hypotheticals. Mm, yeah. That's it for this week. Thank you very much, guys, and we'll see you next week. Yeah.